The Cannabis Conversation. A European perspective on the emerging legal cannabis industry. Welcome to The Cannabis Conversation with Anoush Desai, where we explore the new legal cannabis industry by speaking to the professionals that are helping to shape it. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about Germany. I'm really, really pleased to have Alfredo Pasquale from MJ Biz Daily on the show. He's an incredibly well-respected journalist and observer in the industry in Europe. MJ Biz Daily is the most trusted cannabis industry news resource in North America. Been going for a long time, and these guys really know what they're talking about. Alfredo looks after their international business which uh, largely means focusing on Europe and is a wealth of knowledge on on lots of stuff around the cannabis industry. And so part of my show's remit was to give a European perspective on the legal cannabis industry. And obviously, I've been a bit UK focused so far. So I want to deliver on that European remit. And it makes sense to start with Germany, not only being the biggest market in Europe, but it's also the most developed cannabis market in Europe so far. So it's probably kind of leading the way. Maybe there's some interesting lessons for the rest of the continent and particularly the UK and how we roll things out here. So yeah, let's get cracking. I hope you enjoy the show. So today I have Alfredo Pasquale on the show. Alfredo is an international analyst for MJ Biz Daily, which is a news and events organization focused specifically on the cannabis industry and covers the whole world, including North America and Europe. Alfredo is one of the most respected observers in Europe on the cannabis industry, so he's a brilliant person to speak to for our show. He hails from Uruguay, which some of you may know was the first country to fully legalize cannabis in 2013. And he also now lives in Germany, which is perfect because I've got him on the show to talk about Germany in in particular today. So welcome, Alfredo. Uh, Thank you for having me on the show. No worries. So yeah, thank you for coming on the show. We've been looking at things mainly from a UK perspective in the show so far. I'm keen to sort of deliver on a wider European remit. So I thought we'd start with Germany, obviously being the biggest country in Europe. And I thought you'd be perfect to, to help us understand a bit more about what's happening in Germany. Absolutely. So where do you want to start? From from previous shows, we've we've kind of identified four buckets of the industry. There's recreational, which I think in Europe is not really very prominent at the moment. Then there's medical cannabis, then there's CBD, and then there's hemp. So I guess if you could give us a brief high level on the situation in Germany in relation to those sort of four areas, that would be really helpful. Got it. So let's start with the easiest one, recreational. It's easy because there's basically nothing legal in Germany when it comes to the production of recreational marijuana. There is some sort of tolerance level, at least when compared with other countries. So there's some decriminalization and usually for just a couple of grams, you won't get into big trouble. But that's basically it. And it changes from from state to state. It's not the same in all of Germany. Some people go to Berlin and then think that Germany is the paradise for smoking marijuana. And then they are disappointed when they go to I don't know, southern Germany and other regions that is more complicated. And obviously, the regions that are closer to the Netherlands also have a higher level of tolerance than the rest of Germany. Oh, uh, and again, don't need to go too deep into this, but in relation to recreational, what's the general attitude towards it? Are people pro-legalization or, again, is it a mixed picture? Well, it is mixed. It kind of reflects what, what you also see in other European countries. So... You have a few smaller parties, which are basically all of them favor legalization. 
And there you have the Greens, for example, they're favoring recreational legalization, legalization for a long time. You also have the Linke, which is the left party, which also favors legalization, and also the liberals, which again, they don't agree with the Greens and, and the left in, in, in probably most of the issues, but cannabis is one of, of the issues where, where they find common ground and they all favor legalization, at least in some way, of recreational. But then the two largest parties, or, or at least the two that are in the government now, which are the conservatives and the social democrats, we have the conservatives against it but it's funny because as usual more than saying that they are against it they they just want to avoid the discussion right they don't want to get in, into the discussion of legalizing recreational and then the spd the social democrats it happens something similar which which happens in, in other regions of, of europe as well that they also want to avoid the discussion officially they are not in favor of legalizing but then when you go to meetings of like i don't know regional offices of the party or even mayors in certain city cities you see that they are actually no it's an issue that they have to tackle eventually and they are kind of evolving towards a pro legalization approach okay cool yeah. thank you but then in, recreational in europe before before continuing with with germany even if we don't have any country that legalized completely recreational marijuana we have a few countries doing certain projects or at least the rules are evolving toward certain projects you have mm -hmm. luxembourg which a government that promised to legalize within this legislative period so they took power at the end of last year and the promise is to fully legalize it remains to be seen how they're gonna do it obviously sure. the residency issue will be key there will they allow sales to non-residents or not if they do it will be huge because it's located between germany and france and so many people live close to luxembourg that it will be a big deal if they don't mm. It will also be a big deal because if the whole argument of legalizing is to try to combat the black market, but you don't allow sales to non-residents, the black market will still try, right? So True. whatever they do, they will have a big issue with the residence thing in, in Luxembourg. But it's not the only, the only country considering it. You also have Malta with a government that it's currently debating how to do it. They kind of tacitly recognize that they will legalize it. They're just not calling it legalization, right? They rather talk about harm reduction. They are being careful. They want to start with an educational campaign before discussing how to legalize. But it's another government that it's, that it's moving toward that. And then you have two other countries in Europe that are considering that will implement eventually two pilot projects. So that this will not be legalization, full legalizations, but experiments or pilot projects. And there you have Switzerland, mm -hmm. which will allow, if I remember correctly, up to 5,000 people to register in an experiment that will allow them to have access to legal recreational marijuana. That's still to be implemented. And then you also have the Netherlands, where cultivation is of recreational cannabis is not legal. Only sales in coffee shops are tolerated. And again, the Netherlands is supposed to start soon with a pilot project that will allow, I believe it's up to 10 municipalities to register within this project. And then all coffee shops in these municipalities will have to buy their supply from legal producers. This experiment, if I remember correctly, will last about four years and then they will evaluate the results. Wow, okay, yeah, thank you, that's really good. That's a bonus for our listeners in terms of a brief overview. And very interesting that in the Netherlands, it's not legal, it's just tolerated, because obviously their international image is different. But okay, thank you for that. So I guess moving on to the medical cannabis yeah. bucket is the next one. 
That's a complicated bucket. I know we have to simplify and call it medical cannabis, but when we talk about medical cannabis in Germany, we could be speaking about many different things. And these things are also treated differently in the framework. So the bucket medical cannabis has, let's start with the most pharmaceutical product. You have Sativex and Cannabis. These two are pharmaceutical products registered with the marketing authorization. They had clinical trials and they are usually prescribed on label for a specific condition, just like any other medicine. Sure. So normally I would say that most of the time when we in the industry talk about medical cannabis in Germany, we are not considering cannabis and, and side effects. And so it's non-pharmaceutical. Non well, that's one way, one way to call it. Yeah, maybe we want to talk about like the non-pharmaceutical uh, cannabis, but that doesn't mean... So let, let's continue with all the categories. So we have registered sure. products. These products can be prescribed on label, like any other medicine, no difference, and also off label. For instance, Sativex is prescribed to treat multiple sclerosis, but then a doctor might consider that the product might help for another condition for which the product has no clinical trial, and then the doctor can prescribe it anyway. Then, then we go to products that have no clinical trials. And then you have dronabinol, which is very important in Germany. And dronabinol is basically just a THC molecule that is supplied by a German company to the pharmacist. The cannabinoid division of this German company was recently acquired by Canopy Growth. And uh, the pharmacist then prepares individual preparations according to the, the doctor's prescription. And this might be just THC or it might be mixed with CBD also. But it is not a full spectrum product. It is just single molecules. And this is always prescribed off-label because it's not like Sativex that has a, that is a specific finished product for a specific condition. In this case, the doctors can prescribe it for basically anything. And it's usually, as far as I know, it's usually prescribed for cancer patients that are undergoing chemotherapy. And this helps them to fight the side effects of chemotherapy, such as nausea, mm. vomiting. But it could be prescribed for anything, right? Then we move to other extracts that are full spectrum extracts. And here we have two Canadian companies. One is Tearway and the other one is Aurora. And they both are selling full spectrum extracts in Germany. So unlike dronabinol, which is a single molecule or dronabinol plus DH plus CBD, I'm sorry, in the case of these full spectrum extracts, it's a full plant spectrum. So, and, and just to clarify, full spectrum is like a whole plant extract? Exactly. So it is not only the two main molecules that we speak about, THC sure. and CBD, but also it's supposed to include the terpenes and other minor cannabinoids that yeah. might or might not be important. Then we also have flour, and that's a big thing in Germany, right? Flour is allowed to be prescribed by the physician. It could be prescribed grinded or as a full flour. So it's one of the countries in Europe that allows patients to buy whole flowers. That's the other segment, let's say, of medical cannabis in Germany. All these products that I mentioned, other than Sativex and cannabis, are prescribed despite uh, not having clinical trials that support the efficacy of them. That doesn't mean that quality is important because for anything, you need to have EU GMP certification, good manufacturing practices. So let's say that simplifying here, German regulators allowed to prescribe products that have no clinical trials to claim efficacy of the products. But in, in, in the quality area, they are not making an exception. It needs to have 
good manufacturing practices, such as any other pharmaceutical product. Sure. And um, uh, we've mentioned GMP a few times on, mm-hmm. on the show. Effectively, it's a stamp of approval of the quality of the growing and the cultivating of the plant. So presumably organic and without pesticides, etc., that sort of thing. Kind of. Um, it is not only cultivation, it's the whole process. It is right. uh, cultivation, drying, extraction in the case of, of extracts, and even distribution, like the importer in Germany that imports from, let's say, Canada or the Netherlands, which are the mm-hmm. two countries that supply Germany. They need to have what is called good distribution practices. It has nothing to do with organic or not. So organic right. organic is another type of certification. There might be consumers that want to have an organic product, but that's not relevant for the German health authority. About the use of pesticides, I don't know the details. I am sure that it's tightly controlled in, in the sense of what can be used and in what amounts. I am not sure that it's supposed to be pesticide-free. I am just sure that it's tightly controlled in the sense of what can be used and in which amounts that are safe for human consumption, right? Yeah, but it's a high-quality product. I it's probably a, need to do... As high <laughs> as it gets. It's pharmaceutical yeah. standards, and there's a reason why only a handful of companies, cannabis com- producer companies in the world, uh, have been able to get this certification. And look, everyone speaks about this, but in the past 12 months approximately, just one Canadian producer was able to obtain this certification and they announced yeah. it a couple of weeks ago. So okay, it, is, so it is not easy to get and it's, yeah, it is high quality standard. It's a high, high benchmark. Wow, that's great. Okay, cool. Thank you. So that's really good to understand a bit about the medical cannabis sector and, and the subcategories within that. I guess what's, ha- what's happening with CBD in Germany? It's a, it's a big thing here in the UK. Is it the same over there? I would say it's very comparable to the UK. And when we speak about medical cannabis in Europe, every country is very unique in the sense of what is allowed and what's not. When we talk about hemp and CBD, there is some sort of European harmonization and some European rules. The UK is being affected the same way as Germany is by the inclusion of CBD into the novel food catalog of the European Union. Basically, the European Union defines novel foods as foods that had not been consumed to a significant degree by humans in the European Union before May 1997. If product is included in this catalog, then it needs pre-marketing authorization before being sold. How each individual country within the EU is interpreting this is very different. So you have countries like, let's say, Denmark, that have been very strict, and it is much harder to find CBD products in Denmark than what it is in the UK or Germany. Mm-hmm. Other countries, such as the UK or Germany, basically they are recognizing this EU guideline, but business continues almost as usual for the time being. In the case of Germany, an example is that, for instance, DM, DM, which is one of the largest retailers in Germany. Basically, every neighborhood has a DM in Germany. They right. have one product in their catalog, for example. They took it off the shelves for, I believe it was just a few days, maybe a couple of weeks, and then now it's available again. So there is, okay. some, there is some uncertainty there in terms of what's going to happen with the novel food category and how national authorities are interpreting this and how they will enforce this. But in the meantime, what we see is same as in the UK, consumers demanding these products and then businesses finding ways of providing it to them 
And obviously for the police, it is not an enforcement priority, right? Sure, of course. Okay, that's good to know that it's similar to how it's in the UK. Um, It doesn't seem on the face of it to have affected the CBD market in the UK in a massive way. And perhaps people are sort of putting it off (laughs) and trying to figure out later. But I would say it's similar in Germany. However, even if what we see is that business continues more or less as usual, the fact that we have this uncertainty here in this category might mean that maybe we have less investment than one week, what we could have if the rules were clearer, right? Maybe yeah. investors or large companies that are waiting to see how this ends up being regulated before they make a move. Or this could include also, let's say, non-cannabis companies, mainstream companies, which could include beverages, cosmetics, many, many different industries that are basically studying the space, but they won't make a move until they have more clarity around this issue. And we don't see that, right? We see that continuous as usual, but let's say this could evolve more rapidly if there were more clarity here. Yeah, that's, I suppose that's a really big consideration. In some ways, it allows smaller entrepreneurs to have a bit more breathing room before the big guys get in, I suppose, which can be a good thing. That's correct. It's also something that, that I've heard many times about the US and federal legalization. And obviously, everyone is waiting for federal legalization in the US and, and how that could impact the industry in the US. But then in the meantime, what you have, yeah, it's well, now not so small, but smaller companies because of the fact that they need to operate on a state-by-state level, right? Sure. Cool. Okay. And then the final bucket is hemp. What's going on with hemp in Germany? Well, so connected with CBD, hemp is allowed in Germany. It is very clear that industrial hemp is 100% legal as long as the THC content is below 0.2% as is the case in most of Europe. So there's not absolutely no uncertainty and no doubt about it. The uncertainties start when it comes to consumer products. And it's usually said that as long as the products have below 0.2% THC, they are legal, but that's questionable. What's not questionable and, and what's certain is that growing hemp for industrial purposes is legal as long as the THC limit is is respected. And Germany is one of the countries, as every other country in the EU, that allows the the cultivation. Another interesting fact about Germany is that here you have the office, I believe, of the European Industrial Hemp Association, which is an association that that has different companies in Europe that are involved one way or another in the hemp and CBD industry. Great. Well, that's a brilliant kind of high-level summary of of the situation in Germany. I guess the next question is, so I think many people, such as yourself, observers of the cannabis industry, see Germany as kind of leading the way in terms of European cannabis. What are the real reasons for that? Um, How are Germany more advanced than other countries in, in Europe? For example. It is true that outside of Germany, Germany is usually seen as the leader in, in Europe and the, even the most progressive country when it comes to medical cannabis. It mm. is true that it is the leader, there's no doubt about it, at least in terms of sales. Sales of medical cannabis in Germany are larger than in the rest of Europe combined. So there's a reason why, why, why Germany is so important, and that's sales. Another one is that as of now, Germany is 100% dependent on import. So as of now, no medical cannabis is being produced in Germany, and everything needs to be imported. It is being imported, about half of it from the Netherlands, and the other half 
from Canada. Many countries are getting ready to export to Germany as well. Obviously, they saw an opportunity here, the fact that Germany depends on imports, and they are getting ready for that. You have in Europe countries such as Denmark, Portugal, Greece, Malta, Spain, and probably missing another, uh, North Macedonia, and I'm surely missing others, that they developed them, their medical cannabis frameworks and started receiving investments that only make sense if exports to Germany are considered. So, for sure. instance, the, the clear example is Spain. There, are, there is no medical cannabis in Spain. Doctors cannot prescribe anything. They don't have a like a national medical cannabis program, but they do have companies mm-hmm. producing that eventually their goal is to export to Germany. And then you have right. small small countries such as Denmark or, or, or Malta that are receiving huge investments, obviously, again, with the goal of exporting to Germany and other countries. So that's why Germany is the leader, depending on imports. But this could change because there was a public tender, an application process in Germany to allow domestic cultivation. This has been delayed several times. But now it seems like we are getting closer. A few of the contracts were already granted, I believe nine out of 13. And these were granted to two Canadian companies, uh, the the German subsidiaries of Aurora and Afria. And these two companies now need to get their facilities ready. And if everything goes all right, and that's a big if, the first harvest should be available before the end of 2020. Right. However, that harvest and that production within Germany, the, the, the one that the German government is allowing these companies to produce, which is limited, will probably not be enough for the German demand that is growing rapidly. And it means that imports will continue to be necessary. One more thing about Germany and why Germany ended up in the position that it is today. I believe here that German regulators never expected this. So the reason why Germany has the medical cannabis framework that, that the country has now has a lot to do with what they had before. Before March 2017, with when the current framework started working, they had a very restrictive program with about a thousand patients that after a very lengthy process, they got an, a, a special approval from the Federal Medicines Agency to buy medical cannabis that was being imported from the Netherlands. They had to pay it themselves. And that was a big issue because simplifying, basically, they went to the justice, a few of them, and said, we cannot afford this. And there's a universal human right access to health. So mm-hmm. if we cannot afford it, we should be able to cultivate our own. And you're seeing something like that in the UK right now. So I see some parallelism there with medical cannabis being legal in the UK, but Mm -hmm. access being very restrictive and expensive and patients saying, well, then if we cannot access to it because it's so expensive, let us grow our own. That happened in Germany a few years ago. And a couple of these patients obtained permits from the justice to grow at home. And the German government wanted to avoid that at all costs. They didn't want to have home growing in Germany, and they always said no home growing in Germany. And that was a big factor into why the law ended up being as it is, with health insurance supposed to cover the cost of medical cannabis. It was to avoid home growing, basically. Right. Has it that, been successful? <laughs> well, yeah. So now nobody is allowed to, to, to go at home, obviously. Even those that had a permit uh, granted by the justice before, they don't have it anymore because they are supposed to access now via the normal way, which is with a doctor's prescription and then applying for reimbursement with the insurers. And I would say that if it has been working or not, I would say it depends, right? If you talk with German patients, they pro- probably will complain 
about how hard it is to do all the paperwork and get approval from insurers. But then when you see it from outside compared with other European countries, it's actually a paradise, right? Because mm. not in many countries you can have access to medical cannabis flower and have the insurer pay for them. So mm. it depends. However, I, I must say, especially if you have listeners from North America, that medical cannabis in Germany and in Europe in, German, in, in general is always a last resort thing. It is not that you get a recommendation and then which works basically as an authorization and then you, then you go buy medical cannabis and then the, the insurer will pay for it. It is not like that. It, you get a medical prescription only if you have a serious disease, only if you tried everything else that, let's say, traditional conventional medicine dictates and nothing worked or the side effects were unbearable. Only then you get a prescription for a specific product of medical cannabis and the doctor is responsible for, for, for what he or she is doing. And the insurer, if you want to get reimbursement, will look at everything to make sure that there are only reimbursement cases like this, right? A serious condition that you tried everything else before and that medical cannabis is supposed to help one way or another. Yeah, the issue of the medicine of last resort is something I've read a few times. Having to have gone through lots of unsuccessful medication before you're allowed to be recommended or prescribed cannabis means that whilst it's legal on, on a medical side, it's, it doesn't feel like it's accepted. <laughs> well, but um, there's a reason for that, right? And it is that, to my knowledge, the, the only case where doctors are being allowed to prescribe a medicine that has not undergone any clinical trial. So I don't know. I don't mm. want to name any company, obviously. But when we talk about all, all the products that I, that I mentioned of, of medical cannabis in Europe, other than Satyrex and cannabis, we are talking about products that cannot claim a specific efficacy to treat a certain condition. And despite that, doctors can prescribe it and insurers are supposed to reimburse it. So what regulators said is, okay, we understand that there's a lot of anecdotal historical evidence that cannabis seems to work for many different conditions. We still don't understand exactly what products work for exactly which conditions. But we know that the risk is relatively low. And as long as this is under the umbrella of medical cannabis, we can control it. And then we allow physicians to prescribe it and insurers to pay for it. But only if everything else fails. We don't want mm. medical cannabis to be the first line of treatment. The first line of treatment should be those products, that those pharmaceutical products that were developed for to treat those conditions yeah I, that's a really good comeback actually um it, it when you when you spell it out like that it makes a lot of sense that it, it's almost like a total new category of medicine absolutely um, you nailed it you know what the president of the bfarm the, the german health agency called medical cannabis in a recent interview systembruch i don't know how to translate this but basically he's saying that it broke the system because it's an exceptional <laughs> thing yeah systembruch that's something that is breaking the system it's very funny yeah, but yeah that, that's how he calls it that it says that medical cannabis in germany is breaking the system because it's not the way medicine is supposed to work and doctors are supposed to prescribe something for which efficacy can can be claimed yeah. and it's interesting that he says that this should only be like a temporary thing he doesn't say how temporary in terms of how long it should be but he says it should be a temporary thing and i'm paraphrasing here until we have more products with clinical trials so mm. he's acknowledging that, okay, we are allowing here uh, doctors to prescribe and patients to have access to all these sorts of products that we don't know if they work or not, but only as a temporary thing, 
because the, the, the end goal is to have more Sativex, let's say, more products that can claim efficacy for specific conditions. Yeah, and um, we had Dr. Danny Gordon on a couple of weeks ago talking about the NHS in particular, but I think this probably applies to lots of health systems, education of doctors, and also getting them comfortable with well, exactly what you said, prescribing something that hasn't gone through rigorous cl- clinical trials. It's difficult to dose, it's difficult to measure, and it's difficult to sort of tailor. And doctors are responsible for what they are prescribing, unlike certain regions of North America. They don't have any incentives here to prescribe medical cannabis. Actually, it is it is it is more work because they need to do extra paperwork. There's a a study that the government is doing, uh, collecting evidence, historical evidence of how the program is working. So they need to com- to fill extra paperwork, which is something that doctors obviously always try to avoid. Mm-hmm. And then they are responsible when they prescribe something that they are not sure if it will work or not for a specific condition and that they know might have side effects, right? Yeah, I would say yeah. it, is, it is hard to find doctors. It is yeah. getting easier, but it's very different than, than North America. Even even companies that, 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 that import and distribute are very limited in terms of what they can do. Obviously, they cannot advertise absolutely anything to to the general population. But even when it comes to doctors, they need to be very careful, for instance, uh, in the way that they that they approach the medical community. And one company, for instance, had a problem and was sued by, by an organization because they had, I believe it was like promotional flyers, that were suggesting that the product was a finished pharmaceutical product when it wasn't, right? What, what we've been speaking about, that, that this is not finished pharmaceutical products, but something that the government is allowing to prescribe nonetheless. Okay, right. So yeah, lots to, <laughs> lots to think about there. Okay, cool. One, one last question on Germany before we talk briefly about your sort of personal story. I guess it's probably mixed into one question is, how do you think things will sort of develop in Germany differently from the rest of Europe? Or do you think it will be, it will set the model for the rest of Europe? Well, it's hard to say. And this comes back to the beginning of our conversation in which I mentioned that for medical cannabis, every country is very unique in Europe and they all have their own very unique regulations. I don't think any country is copy-pasting the German law. I haven't seen that anywhere, not even being discussed like that. I believe every country mm. is figuring out their own ways of, of doing this. However, obviously, anything that Germany does in Europe is at least considered by every other European country. So mm. it, it, obviously, it has a, a tremendous a tremendous impact into what other countries do. And probably, let's say, smaller countries that were kind of afraid of moving forward or not with this, now that Germany is doing it, they feel more confident. Not only Germany is is an example that other countries are considering to develop their own domestic frameworks for their domestic patients, but also Germany is being very important on a European level because of what I mentioned before, that many countries are actually uh, approving their legislation with the objective of creating an industry that will export to Germany, right? So that's also been very influential. In terms of how this will develop, I would say that it will be interesting to see how supply and demand evolve in Germany and Europe in general, but 
Germany being the, the, the center of it, because right now it is true that not many products are available. There, there have been cases of shortages in Germany, especially if what you wanted was a specific strain. Maybe you would get it one week, but not the next month. And many people have been saying, okay, if there were more product, more more products available, then sales will be larger, and that's true. But how big that would will end up being? I really don't know. I don't think Germany will evolve as North American jurisdictions evolve because of what we mentioned before, that this is a last resort medicine and regulators and doctors take it very seriously. So it, it is naive, I believe, to think that X percent of the German population suffer from a certain condition for which there's anecdotal evidence for which cannabis might help which means all of them will end up being medical cannabis patients. And in a few years, we will have millions of patients. That's that's very, very naive or wishful thinking. Mm. However, it will evolve. How fast? I don't know. Today, it's a booming market. And being dependent on, on imports completely, it's very attractive for, for companies in, in other jurisdictions to set up their facilities with the goal of exporting to Germany. In the future, what we will see is that in the not so far away future, so many countries are looking forward to exporting to Germany that I believe that only the strong will survive, right? The best one will, will survive because you have countries in both in Europe and elsewhere like Colombia, Jamaica, Uruguay that are also trying to get their products into the German market. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting way to look at it, I suppose, the size of the market and how the rest of the world and big companies are looking to exploit that market. And it's very um, interesting if you see the plans of companies in any country. But for instance, in Colombia, you see one of the many investors deck of, of Colombian companies where they claim that they will be able to cultivate tens of thousands of kilograms per year or even more. Sales in Germany in the year 2018 were 3,000 kilograms. So if all the companies claiming that they will be able to cultivate these massive amounts of cannabis pull that off, I don't know where all of that is going to go. I mean, yes, Germany is big, it's growing, it's an interesting opportunity. And if you are fast to get your product to Germany, which means you need to be fast to get EU GMP certification, which is not easy, then you have a huge opportunity. But I would be very careful to, to think that Germany will evolve the same way that Colorado evolved. It's it's a completely yeah. different reality. Yeah. Watch this space. Okay, cool. Thank you, Alfredo. Okay, so quickly, let's move on to your backstory, I guess. What led you into the cannabis industry on a personal level? Well, it wasn't really something that I planned years ago. One thing led to another, right? As you mentioned in the introduction, I am originally from, from Uruguay. That's where I was born and where I grew up. I moved to Germany about seven years ago to do a master's degree in public policy. Previously, I had studied business in, in Uruguay. And while I was doing public policy, I started to get fascinated by drug policy reform in general and alternatives to prohibition and what different jurisdictions were doing in this area. Cannabis was one of the issues there. And the fact that Uruguay legalized uh, nationwide cannabis in December 2013 obviously had an impact there and influenced what I could do. Because when I mm. finished my degree in 2016, I thought I'll try to find a job in, in the cannabis industry or, or whatever it was called back then. And there were two companies in Uruguay that had a license to, to grow recreational marijuana. One of them uh, went public 
And the next month, basically, I went there, knocked the door, and said, "I want to work here. If you are, if you, if you are raising money, it's because you have international ambitions. It's not for the European market. That's kind of what I've been trying to to understand, and that's where I might help. So that's how I started working, doing international business development for a publicly traded company that that had operation, has still has operations in Uruguay." And that was at the end of 2016, early, early 2017. And then I left that company. I started doing my, my own consultancy. I went to Colombia and started the project there during the first half of 2018. And the whole international exposure of Colombia, Uruguay, living in Germany and working in different jurisdictions was basically very convenient for me because I ended up being in the right place and right moment when everyone started to speak about international markets, which were not mm. a thing when I started with this. That's how I ended up then working for MJB's Daily and, and working full-time since October last year. What I do is basically covering international developments from, from a North American perspective, so anything happening outside of, of Canada and the U.S. Obviously, many times connected with North America, especially with Canada. That must be so exciting and also probably a bit overwhelming getting exposure to so many different countries and everyone's running at different pace in a different direction. <laughs> it is, it is, it is. So many different jurisdictions, different languages, things changing every day. Yeah. Cool. Great. Thank you. So on to my last question, which I like to ask everyone. What did your parents say when you told them that you were going to work in the cannabis industry? Long story short, they basically asked me if it was legal. When they realized, yes, it is legal. And actually, what, what, what I do is, is it's not only legal, it's very legit. And it helps a lot of people. And the industry itself has a lot of potential for good in society. They were fine with it. That's good. That's good to hear. And I suppose that if domestically in Uruguay, they were looking at it in a different way, I suppose that helps a lot. Well, yeah, that's true. Cannabis was kind of normalized in Uruguay after legalization. Everyone realized that the sky is not falling apart and you don't have an army of zombies buying marijuana at every phar pharmacy. So, yeah, it's, it's a, you know what? I would say it's a non-issue anymore in Uruguay. It was until the last elections, but now Uruguay has, has new elections now in, in a couple of months. Um, it became a non-issue. It's probably one of the few countries in the world where cannabis is actually a non-issue. It is accepted. Nobody will want, will want to go back to, to prohibition. Yes, obviously, there are many different things that should be improved in Uruguay, and, and the actual government is working on that. But yeah, it became something, something normal. That's good. Yeah. And I hope that everyone understands that it will take a few years for that to happen in um, wherever wherever it legalizes, I suppose, normal kind of situation that people need to get used to it. That's correct. Cool. Cool. Well, th Alfredo, thank you. It's been really, really interesting. And, and I would love to get you on another show to talk about some other stuff that's happening in Europe. So you're welcome back anytime. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for your time today. Thanks to you. It was a pleasure being here with you. Brilliant. Cheers. Okay, thanks for joining me on that. I hope you enjoyed it. It was really interesting talking to Alfredo there. It's really great to learn about what's happening in Germany. As I said at the top of the show, it's it's the most sophisticated cannabis market in Europe and it's got a huge population. So it will inevitably not necessarily set the trends, but it will be a big kind of indicator for where things go in other countries in this area. So really good to have Alfredo on. And I'm really hoping I can get him back to talk about some other European countries as well as the weeks go by. As usual, if you're enjoying 
enjoying the show please subscribe and share and like and everything hopefully spread the word if you yourself are interested in being on the show feel free to drop me a line on my website or on my social I'd love to chat to you and if you've got an interesting angle it would be good to get you on and talk about it cool I hope you have a lovely week and I'll see you next episode cheers cheers <laughs>